Welcome to episode 39 of Special Situation Investing. Today's write-up will cover the investment merits of Algama Steel Group, Common Stock, and Warrants. To begin, let's review the company's history as presented by Wikipedia. Algama Steel Inc., formerly Algama Steel, Esser Steel Algama, is an integrated primary steel producer located on the St. Mary's River in Salt St. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Its product are sold in Canada and the United States, as well as overseas. Algama Steel was founded in 1902 by Francis Clergy, an American entrepreneur who had settled in the Salt St. Mary area. The company emerged from bankruptcy protection in 2004. In April 2007, Algama Steel was purchased by India's Esser Group for U.S. $1.63 billion. Continuing operations as a subsidiary known as Esser Steel Algama Inc. It was purchased again in 2017 by a group of U.S. investors. In May of 2021, it was announced that Algama was to become a public company again, as it had agreed to a merger with New York-based acquisition firm Legato Merger Corp., which is a NASDAQ-listed special-purpose acquisition company. The deal would give Algama just over $1.1 billion worth of new shares in Legato. All right, with that brief background out of the way, and now delving into the balance sheet, we find the following. As of June 30th, 2022, Algama had just over $1.1 billion of cash against a market cap of only $1 billion. Bank indebtedness is a mere $3 million, with long-term government loans totaling another $85 million. Of course, steel production, being a very capital-intensive business, the company's total liabilities come to $1.6 billion after including accounts payable, pension liabilities, environmental liabilities, and other expenses. Combined, both the assets and the liabilities bring Algama's enterprise value to about $3 billion. Regarding bank indebtedness, Algama secured a revolving credit facility of $250 million, of which only $3 million had been drawn at the time of this writing. This gives the company an extensive ability to draw cash should the need arise. For all the company's balance sheet strength, its income statement is a very difficult thing to predict from quarter to quarter. From the time of the 2021 SPAC through today, the company has seen record high profits owing to record high steel prices and manageable input costs. Over the last decade, hot road rolled coil steel prices have ranged from $500 on the low end up to the mid 800s at market highs. Post-COVID prices exploded upward to exceed 1900 and now have drifted back into the still historically high $700 range. With key inputs such as iron, natural gas, and others at elevated and unpredictable levels, I'd place their future profits somewhere between unpredictable and unknowable, leaving us to consider how well management will navigate these volatile markets and how they'll return cash to shareholders. As it stands today, Algama trades at just over one times earnings, with earnings of nearly $1 billion, 
against a market cap just over that number. Again, however, unpredictable input prices and finished steel prices make the future anybody's guess. Market consensus would lead you to believe that the steel industry itself is a falling knife, with many of the world's major producers trading at low, single-digit multiples, which is typical of a cyclical industry peak. To date, management's track record is solid but short-lived, with the CEO having been in the seat for about one year. On March 3, 2022, the company commenced a normal course issuer bid, NCIB, or what seems to be Canada's version of a Dutch tender offer. The final result of the bid saw the company repurchase a staggering 31% of its stock, bringing the common share count down from 147 million shares to just 100 million shares. The company's huge cash position, stated earlier, is post-share repurchase, making the balance even more impressive. Currently, the company is authorized to repurchase another 7 million shares of its common stock, which would shrink the total share base by another 7% once completed. Beyond what appears to be a quality management, Algama has another tailwind. The plant currently consists of aging, high-emission, and costly blast furnace steel production, with plans to convert to modernize electric arc furnace steel production over the next several years. The benefit of this plan is in the form of Canadian government subsidies, which will finance a significant portion of the upgrade so long as Algama hits its reduced carbon emission targets in the coming years. A second benefit of the EAF conversion comes in the form of reduced carbon penalties charged to Algama steel. EAF steel production is less carbon intensive and will therefore incur fewer carbon penalty taxes as the company transitions from outdated blast furnaces to modernized EAF production. Most North American steel companies have already converted to EAF production, meaning they don't have the same cost-saving benefit in their future over the next several years. Now, with that background out of the way, how can an investor best position themselves in Algama Steel? For starters, the company already offers the benefits mentioned before, namely cash equal to market cap, a 30-40% to 40% share repurchase in 2022 alone, and no debt to speak of. As with any IPO or SPAC or <clears throat> other going public events, there are some unique considerations that do apply. For starters, here's a share, there is a share overhang that could put a cap on the stock price for some time. Bain Capital, Golden Tree, Contrarian Capital, and others all hold significant positions in the company as a result of the restructuring and SPAC. The institutional shareholders have a lockup price by which they can't sell their pre-SPAC shares until they trade above 1250 for a set period of time. That said, if and when the share price reaches that level, the selling pressure from those institutions may keep the price in the $12 to $13 range for some time. A second technical quirk surrounding the stock is the call price of ASTL warrants. As part of the SPAC, the company issued warrants with a strike price of $11.50. <clears throat> 
The publicly traded warrants are good for five years post-SPAC and expire on 19 October 2026. The warrants are callable when the common stock of the company trades at $18. The private warrants issued pre-SPAC are also, they also have an 1150 strike price, but can't be called and are good for as long as they're held by the original owner. Given the information just covered, I suspect that one way or another, the institutional investors will get a return on their investment. This will happen either through short term dividends, special dividends, or the sale of common stock above the 1250 lockup price. Sales of privately held warrants at or above 1250 would also yield a profit for institutional investors. Given the large institutional shareholder base, warrant strike price, and pre-SPAC share lockup price, what is the best way for the average investor to take advantage of this super cheap stock? At today's price of $9.63 on the common and $1.92 on the warrants, I would rather own the common. <clears throat> At these prices, the common stock is more appealing for several reasons. First, it has no expiration date, so that even if you're wrong on the value of the company today, you can wait as long as you want to recover your capital. Second, you can collect dividends on the stock for as long as you hold it, while warrant holders do not receive dividends. Third, your upside in the stock is not capped at $18 per share, as it is with the warrant. And finally, your upside from the mid-9s up to the mid-$12 range offers more upside than do the warrants at the current price. On the other hand, if the warrants sold cheaply enough, they could be a more compelling investment than the common shares. This would be the case if the warrant sold for less than a dollar a share. In my opinion, the warrant price is less likely to decline to any such low, given that the people selling the warrants are probably more informed than whoever is selling the common stock, and you're less likely to get panic selling or irrational selling from a sophisticated investor. In any case, the warrants at less than $1 would be attractive because you could still exercise at $11.50 and sell at a profit at or around $12.50 where the institutional shareholder overhang kicks in. Two additional factors make the warrants appealing, with the first being their duration. At five years, the warrants are good for much longer than even the longest dated leaps, and a lot can happen in five years. Second, even with an $18 call provision on the warrants, the holder of the warrant can make several multiples of his investment, even at the current sub-$2 price. Well, that's all I have for today's write-up. I hope we've made you aware of one more cheap company available today, along with a rare warrant opportunity that will broaden your investment possibilities. Hopefully the gap between episodes won't be as long this time as it was last week, as I was up against multiple unforeseen events that kept me from publishing a new episode. Once again, thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you again soon with another write-up.